Let us adore him, 2016. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I um, just received my first hand-delivered, handmade card during Children's Story. It says, it's beautiful. I'm going to share it with you all. It says, to Pastor Jen from Brody. There's a star and a flower. It's fantastic. On the inside it says, Pastor Jen, I love having you as my pastor. I love being your pastor. I love this church. I'm so impressed at how wonderfully talented, gifted, and loving this group of people is. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. I would like to tell you a story about a young woman named Minnie. In 1891, anybody remember that? No? Okay. 1891, Minnie, known as Known as Minnie, her name was Armenia, Armenia Webster Cox was appointed the Postmaster General in Indianola, Mississippi. It was a big deal. It was one of the most prestigious posts that you could hold for public office. It was also one of the most well-paid, with a salary of $1,100 every year. That would equate to about 29000 today in our, our U.S. dollars today. And under her tutelage, the post office in Indianola went from a level four post office to a level three post office, coming up in the world. She was fastidious, known for her meticulous attention to detail. She would help you if you couldn't afford to pay for a fine that had been received on a package. She would cover it out of her own pay. She was known to hand-deliver packages herself through all sorts of kinds of weather. And for her hard work, many in her town took offense to the fact that many held this office. They were furious. They threatened her, they sent letters, they petitioned to have her removed from office. And on January 1st, after death threats and horrible things that had happened in the course of a couple of years, Minnie Cox tendered her resignation, January 1st of 1903, 113 years ago yesterday. This resignation crossed the desk of President Theodore Roosevelt on January 2nd of 1903, and he refused to accept it. What was happening to her was a grave injustice, he said. He stood resolute and would not accept her resignation and expected her to continue in office as postmaster in Indianola, Mississippi. The residents of Indianola refused, and for their refusal, their post office was closed down. And the post was rerouted to the thriving metropolis of Greenville, Mississippi. Mrs. Cox continued to, re to receive her full salary. There is a post office in Indianola today. Mrs. Cox is not the postmaster. Why on earth was she rebuffed, threatened? Why were so many people so hostile to the fact that she was in office? She did an excellent job. Mail was delivered with courtesy and care. They weren't mad because it was a woman who held the position. 
They weren't mad that she, saying that she'd done a nasty job, that she was lazy, that she was not appropriate for the position. Their objection to Minnie holding office was that Minnie was black. Their only objection was the color of her skin. When you learn this story, you can find more information about it at the National Postal Museum. When you learn this story, maybe you will have the same reaction that I did, one that is a combination of both horror and elation. Horror that someone who does an excellent job, who chooses to rise above offense, to rise above threats, to rise above awkward and terrible situations, is threatened. And elation at the fact that the president stepped in and did the right thing, and did the good thing. We live in a world that is a weird juxtaposition of good and horror. And when we see the good happen in an awful situation, we cheer, we get excited. We are excited when people advocate for each other, when someone fixes their mistakes. We cheer, we're inspired, we reach out for that hope and we hold on to it. We cheered in 2015 in Texas when hundreds of head of cattle were rescued from flood waters by ranchers who did not own them. It was the first cattle drive in Texas in over a hundred years. We cheered. People lined the street to watch this. It was fantastic. We cheered when Mick Fanning, who was surfing and doing so well in a surfing competition off the coast of South Africa, was targeted by a shark. He punched the shark in the nose and swam away with no harm done to himself. There was cheering. And in 2015, at the Boston Marathon, when Team Hoyt crossed the finish line once again, their 33rd Boston Marathon completed, we cheered, knowing that though Dick has retired, someone else has stepped into the helm. Because we thrive, we love it when we see good things happen. We cherish them, we embrace them, we're thrilled and refreshed and motivated. And today, we're going to look at a story in Scripture that takes us back to our childhoods. How many of you know of a wee little man in Scripture? Anybody? Do you know the song? Will you sing it with me? Ready? <clears throat> Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, please come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Good. We know it. It's a fantastic story. If you have your Bibles or a Bible app on your phone or tablet, I'd invite you to open or scroll to Luke chapter 19. 
And we're going to read verses 1 through 10, which is where we find the story of Zacchaeus, a time where good things happened in a bad time, a time where great things came out of an awful situation. It's a very familiar story. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1, reads as follows. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We find three groups or people in this story, don't we? First and foremost, we find Jesus. Jesus has entered the town of Jericho, and he is heading on his way to Jerusalem. The book of Luke is great at emphasizing that Jesus was on a mission. Beginning in Luke chapter 9, we see, and Jesus was headed up to Jerusalem. Again in chapter 9, and Jesus was headed up to Jerusalem. In chapter 13 and verse 22, and Jesus was going to Jerusalem. In chapter 17, Jesus was going to Jerusalem. 18, on his way to Jerusalem. Chapter 19, verse 11, because they were headed to Jerusalem. Jesus was a man on a mission. He was heading to Jerusalem. He tells us why he was heading there. Look with me again in verse 10 of chapter 19 in Luke. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was on a mission, and he knew the ultimate fulfillment of that mission would be to arrive in Jerusalem. But on the way, he keeps fulfilling the mission. He's a man on a mission, that's right, but he's a man on a mission that matters every day. His mission is not for some day, some place, for some anonymous soul. You see, on this day in Jericho, Jesus' mission was for that day. It was for Jericho. It was for Zacchaeus, because Jesus was seeking one who was lost and offering salvation. He found one who needed to be saved. We also have the crowd. Now, there are a lump sum here. There's multiple, multiple people in the crowd, but they only have one voice, and that is the voice of complaint. They only have one action, and that is to shut people out from seeing Jesus. They don't make room. They don't accommodate. 
They don't make space. And when they see Jesus approach the one who may be the biggest fraud in town, the biggest cheat, when they see Jesus approach Zacchaeus and make friendly with him, they complain, they boo and hiss and grumble. How dare he? And then we have Zacchaeus, a wee little man. He was short, but not just in stature. He was short in character as well. He wasn't the one that you want to spend time with. He would lie to you, cheat you, lie to your family and friends, cheat them. Zacchaeus was the last person you would choose as an acquaintance, let alone a friend. And by Zacchaeus's reaction to Jesus's invitation, we know that something phenomenal is happening here because Zacchaeus hastily climbs out of that tree and with great joy invites someone home to his haven, to the place that he goes to hide from the people he's cheated, the place that he goes to be sheltered from those he's lied to, the place that he goes to avoid the consequence of his own misbehavior. And he's ecstatic because someone has seen him and not just his flaws. Someone sees him, acknowledges him, and he is thrilled. And something begins in Jesus' presence. The dawn of truth breaks over Zacchaeus' heart, and he knows. He knows he cannot stay as he was. He cannot do what he has done. He cannot live for himself alone. He knows that his actions has an impact on somebody else's life and that he has the choice to make it a good, a good impact or a poor impact. Some of you come from homes with mothers who have elastic faces like mine, right? We have at home what we call the mom look. Do you have this? The mom look? My mom has an eyebrow that will go about halfway back her head, and her lips will purse up like she sucked on a lemon, and she will look at you, eyes wide, eyebrow back, lips pursed, and there will be a gentle shaking. <laughs> and inside, there is a big shaking. You feel it. You have received the look, and you know that whatever you are doing must cease immediately, right? The look. What if we weren't looking for the look that brought terror, but we were looking for the same look that we encounter here in the story of Zacchaeus? We have two lookers. Now, my mom uses that term sometimes, right? He's a real looker. She means something different than what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Jesus was looking. Jesus was looking at Zacchaeus. He was looking 
at a man that he loved. He saw all the flaws and the lies and the stealing and the cheating. He saw the lonely hours hiding. He knew that he had warped relationships and warped interactions with the community around him. He knew that Zacchaeus was craving attention. And he knew that his presence would change everything. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus in that tree. He does not look as the crowd did. He does not look to judge. He does not look to condemn. He doesn't look to laugh or to scoff. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus because he offers him hope. He looks to see what he can do for a crooked, broken, wild human. And Zacchaeus looks back. Sometimes in our shame, we don't look back at Jesus. But Zacchaeus looks back. And perhaps for the first time, peering down for that, from that tree, perhaps for the first time in his life, he sees a face that is looking at him with adoration and love. He sees a face that displays hope. He sees the face that belongs to the reader of his heart. And he looks at Jesus in desperate need of hope. And back in his castle, in his shelter, his haven, Jesus enables Zacchaeus to look at himself. And there in Jesus' presence, Zacchaeus stands. And he makes two bold promises. First promise, I will give half of my goods to the poor. He's a rich man. Half. It's a lot of help. He promises to help those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are looking for shelter, those who need to be clothed, those who are suffering. He pledges to help. And his second bold promise is that he pledges to fix what he has done wrong. With the people he's interacted with daily, for years, the people he's stolen from, I will make it right, he says, and not just to the level that I stole, right? I will restore four times what I stole. In Jesus' presence, Zacchaeus has a personal awakening because in Jesus' presence, conviction comes. And hot on the heels of conviction comes action. You cannot stay where you are doing what you're doing when you're convicted. You must move. So, what about us, Walla Walla University Church family? Are we taking the long, loving look of Jesus? Have we looked in the trees and in the crowd for those that we can help? How can we encourage, inspire, 
better someone's life? How can we acknowledge someone? Do we take the look of Zacchaeus, earnestly seeking Jesus at our own expense, sacrificing dignity to climb a tree, pushing through the crowd to make sure we have spent time with Jesus? You know, Adventists have long been known as people of the book. People of this book, people who are so deeply in love with prophecy and the scriptures and with Jesus that they tell what they know, that they live what they know, that they are convicted by the passages and the stories. They have hope. We have hope. We are deeply convicted by what we read here Does our conviction show up in our action? While we are still people of the book, and I pray that we always will be people of the book, I hope that we also can assume a new moniker, that we will be people of the look. Like Jesus, we will look at those around us, seeking whom is lost and whom we can point to Christ. That we will also look like Zacchaeus, first and foremost, looking desperately, eagerly, happily, joyfully for Jesus. Let's live, brothers and sisters, beloved, like we are looking. In Texas, in the town where my parents live is a beautiful square with an old courthouse and in that square there is a lovely store that sells signs and a friend of mine and I will call my friend Hadley a friend of mine and I went to the store and we found a sign there it says three words because nice matters In a world that is erratic, in a world that is unsure, in a world that is desperate, in a world that can seem hopeless and filled with evil, nice matters. And as Christians, nice is not being polite. Polite is important, don't get me wrong, but nice means I'm going to do something with that politeness. There is action in my life. Because nice matters. I will rescue your cattle if I'm available. I will bop a shark in the nose if I can. I will push you on your marathon. Because nice matters. We live in a beautiful part of the country, in a beautiful country. And here in this country, we have major issues. Just like many cocks in 1891, we still face issues of race in this country. It's time for us to do something about it. We still face gender issues in this country, in this church, 
It's time for us to do something about it. We live in a valley that is filled with addictions, everything from drugs and alcohol to pornography. We have families in this valley whose members are incarcerated. We have children who are in desperate need of foster homes. We have children in this valley who are being trafficked. We must be people of the look. We have to be looking to know what's happening around us so that we can change it. The first look that Zacchaeus has, the first look in our story in Luke 19, is his look for Jesus. His look for Jesus. And when Jesus is in his home, it is there in his home, that Zacchaeus has this deep conviction that his life must be changed. Have we invited Jesus home? Do we speak of him? Do we listen to him? Do we read of him? Do we talk to him? Do we listen? Deep conviction starts at home. The deep look that we need must start at our home. We must look at Jesus. The second look that Zacchaeus has is the look to help. I will give half of all I have to the poor. How can I help? What can I do? What student do I know that needs encouragement? Is there a bill I can pay for someone else? Can I shovel my neighbor's driveway? Can I give someone a handwritten note today? What can I do? Because the call to Jesus is a call to action. The third look that Zacchaeus gives in this story is the look of correction. He knows he has done wrong, and he sets about making it right. It's 2016. Perhaps there is something that we need to make right, and we need to start today. Have you looked at Jesus? Because he's going to point you to who is in need. And he's going to point you to correction, the correction of your own mistakes. We live in a world that wants to see Jesus, not just hear about him. Cory Booker, who is the former mayor of Newark, New Jersey, and was a senator for the state of New Jersey for an extended period, said these words, before you speak to me of your religion, first show it to me in how you treat other people. Before you tell me how much you love your God, show me how much you love his creation. Before you preach to me of your passion for your faith, teach me about it through your compassion for your neighbor. In the end, I'm not as interested in what you have to tell or sell as I am in how you choose to live and give. The world wants to see Jesus. 
We have seen him. We have great hope. And we have the privilege of making a change in the world around us. Some of us will be comfortable dealing with the homeless or with the children who are trafficked or with those in need of encouragement, those who just spent the holidays alone for the first time. We all have different gifts, but if we don't use them, we risk becoming we little men. John Wesley said these beautiful words, may these be our battle cry for the year 2016. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can.